you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. If you're new to our church, we want to welcome you and um, let you know that uh, this is we do attendance this way. So if you, would, if you wouldn't mind, let us know that you're here by texting in 777-3520. The keyword today is Jehovah 7, Jehovah 7. And, uh, or if you're comfortable, you can fill out the card in the seat back pocket in front of you, uh, and after service, we'll collect that from you. Um, Jehovah 7. Missed you guys, man. All the way up in Tennessee this week, and so many of you guys have been up to the North Carolina. We, as I was up there, it was like, man, I missed you, but I loved it there, and it was like, you know, maybe we could just move the church there. That'd be, uh, I gotta come home to Lakeland. Humidity, welcome home. It's nice to see you. You were missed, not. All right, um, uh, so I'm gonna jump right into the message today. Uh, pretty cool. I don't know where you were the first time that you heard the Lord call your voice or call your name. Uh, but I'm going to take you real quick to the story of Abram in uh, Genesis chapter 12. And it would start off by the Lord saying to him uh, in verse one, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. This is what he says in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse one. And um, it's special to me because this is the call of God for all of our lives. This is the Great Commission. This is the call of the disciples. And as a church, I want you to know that it is the mission of our church to make disciples. We're not trying to make uh, just believers in Jesus. We're trying to graduate all believers to a point where you are a fully devoted follower of Christ. You're all in. And here we see uh, probably the greatest story of one of the greatest believers uh, in, in the Father here in the story of Abram. And so this story that I'm about to tell you is one of the most special stories in all of the Bible and because it shadows the sacrifice of Jesus more than any other story. And it starts off with the calling on his life to go and do something great. But it first comes with abandoning ourselves and letting go. And so I want you to know, and with that right now in your life, I can guarantee you that the Lord is calling you higher. And with that calling, you're gonna have to let go of some things in order to reach the next level in Christ. And uh, yet in this today, there are some beautiful promises that I believe the Lord wants to speak over your life. And I'm going to take you really quick to Genesis 17. And for that, I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me for the reading of God's word today. Genesis 17. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 to you. And uh, I'm going to read it out of the New Living again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell down on his face to the ground. And God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of multitude nations. What's more, I am changing your name and it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. 
For you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And from generation to generation, this is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. You can have a seat. Oh, man, this is so cool. I don't know what you can get a sense of God's promise into your life. I knew when God was saving me. I knew when God was cleansing me. I knew when God was healing me. But I want you to know that there is a promise, that he is, as we learned last week, our righteousness. He is our shepherd. He is the God who sees. He is our peace. He is our creator. And today I'm going to take you further into one of the great promises of God. He is making a promise in and over your life. And I want to connect you not just with what his promise but with who he is. Today, I want to take you to the story of he is uh, the Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And uh, what is significant about this story is I have read it many, many times in my life as the story of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac on an altar has been something that's been very sincere to me as I have a great passion and enthusiasm and love for my son Micah. Um, I can't imagine what was going through his head. So to rewind it back just a little bit, Abraham is 75 years old when God gives him the first promise that he would be with him and he would give him a seed. He would give him a son and he would make him a great nation. 75 years old. So let me just stop there for a second and make sure that we all understand the promise of God is not bound by time. It's not bound by a situation that you're in, now you, you're retired and you don't make any more money and God can't use you anymore, or the best of your years are behind you. The promise of God, when he's, who he is, changes your life. He is great, he is mighty, he is strong. And when he speaks, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, waves, oceans move because of his voice. And so I love that he's speaking to a man who is 75 years old and largely should be considered counted out. And when he tells them that he's going to make him descendants, we fast forward then 24 years when Abraham is 99 years old and literally changes his identity. And he says from this day forward, we know that for the last 25 years, uh, Abraham, Abraham was there when, when Sodom and Gomorrah was, was destroyed. And, and we know that Abraham saw many things and he was faithful to God. But when he's 99 years old, God changes his life. From this day forward, you will be Abraham. And the next year of his life, he would give birth to a young man that would be the promise that he gave personally to him. 99 years old. That hurts me to lean into and think about. Because I have many people in our church that we've walked with through promises that he's made over them. And I've watched as people have cried tears believing that God would do the impossible in their life. 
I've watched this altar soaked with tears about marriages. And it was so cool just two weeks ago in this very altar to see a couple that went through what they would consider a divorce, signing paperwork, and coming back to the altar to see God restore them and ask God to forgive them and to bring them back together. I've watched people in this altar believe God for for a childbirth. And it was so cool, man, to see so many from family after family after family after family after family see impossible pregnancies come to pass, and God give them what they believed he would do. And just two weeks ago, we saw the birth, uh, uh, the walkers gave birth to a beautiful little baby girl. And she's been singing in the middle of the night ever since. And, uh, and they, they are just so wonderful for that little baby. They're so thankful for that little baby girl. But I just, I, I want you to know that I don't know where you're at or what season of life or how long it's taken you to get to this place, but the Lord will fulfill his promise that's who he is, and it's what he does. And so we take you to the story of Genesis, chapter 22, where Abraham has now had his son Isaac, and he is born. And in verse 2, God spoke to Abraham and said this, I want you to take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, let me time out. This is kind of confusing because Abraham does not actually have one son. He has two. But he has one that was the promised son, and he has one that he adores. And Abraham looks, uh, the father looks at Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want what you love most, more than anything. Now see, what is beautiful about Abraham and why the call of God became so great on his life and why the call of God and the anointing can fall so largely on so many of you is because Abraham served the Lord, abandoning everything. We took you back all the way to chapter 12 when we saw Abraham leave his his homeland, leave what he knew of his family and left everything behind to go and follow the Lord in total abandonment. And here, it got a lot harder because 25 years later, now God is not asking him to leave his family behind. He's asking for the one thing that he's wanted all of his life. You know that boy that you love so much? I want him. And I want you to bring him and give him to me. And I want you to sacrifice your son for me. Now, let me make sure if you have not heard this story before or if you're not educated in church language or these kinds of things. I want to time out. The Lord is not asking anyone in this room to sacrifice any of their children uh, on any kind of altar, okay? This story did happen. Uh, We believe it in all of its account, and it actually is the origin story of the nation of Israel and the origin story of the life of Jesus. But it would become a type of, of the exact sacrifice that the Father God would give would make for us as he would sacrifice his only begotten son for us. And so we don't have to make any sacrifice, anything like that, because Jesus is now our righteousness, just like Matt said last week when he crushed it in that wonderful sermon. My goodness, I'm like taking notes in the hotel. Um, this is, uh, and so anyways, um, he is our righteousness and we don't have to sacrifice, but, I, but this is a type of story. But the Lord does and will ask you to make sacrifices in your life 
none of which will be your firstborn children. Okay, does that make sense? Your thirdborn, I'm, I'm just kidding. Total jokes. Okay, he says, I want you to take your only son uh, and, and I want you to sacrifice him on a mountain. And because of Abraham's great faith and confidence in the Lord, he honors the Lord. He saddles up a donkey and he takes his servants and he takes Isaac and they go. And in verse um, uh, six, I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to stay in there all day. I'm going to go to other passages in the Bible, but we're going to stay in Genesis chapter 22. In verse six, it says this. So Abraham placed the wood uh, um, for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two walked on together, Isaac, verse seven, turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. And the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? A couple of things I want to just point out to you real quick. In verse six, we see that Abraham took the wood and placed it on Isaac's shoulder and asked him to carry it up the mountain. Now that was uh, really prophetic and it was of great symbolism. Why was it on Isaac's shoulder? Because Abraham was old, <laughs> let's just face it. And Isaac was young and dude, you're gonna carry this thing because I ain't. Don't worry, I got the knife, it's really heavy. You do your job, boy. And, uh, and so I do that to my 12-year-old now all the time. You're gonna carry it and I'm gonna walk behind you and you should always train up a young man to work. Show him how to work hard, you know what I mean? So Abraham, send him up the hill. Go ahead, boy, I'm, I got your back, don't worry. Way back here. Um, anyways, in verse seven, we see that what is significant about this passage is that Isaac, on his journey up the hill, starts looking around and going, Dad, I know the way these things called a sacrifice works. They're supposed to be like an animal that we're supposed to have with us. We should have like a sheep or something. And uh, it's missing. Where's that going to come from? There's no 7-Eleven on the corner of Mount Moriah. You know what I mean? And so Abraham looks at him and says, God will provide a sheep now, in this is important because we're the, talking about the story today and the identity that we're declaring who the Lord is over our church and over your life and over your family. So I want you to know we, we, we believe in Jesus. I want you to, to, to believe in Jehovah Jireh. I want you to believe not just that God is a provider, but I want you to know who he is and what he does at his core. Now, labels are interesting. When we call someone something, like I think about like labels can be difficult for anyone to wear in any given circumstance, even if they're a compliment. For example, I I think of how awkward it is for like comedians to have to wear the title of funny all the time. Think about how difficult it is when we think about people like Robin Williams, who like always have to live up to the hype of being funny when inside I'm struggling. But I want you to know who the father is, is he is a provider. It's not just what he does. Does this make sense? And so when he looks at Isaac carrying the wood up the hill, he's not just saying, God, I I think God's gonna provide. He's going back over his mind and over his memory of all of the times he's had with God. Son, I want you to understand something. As I'm teaching you on this journey who God is, he will provide, is what what Abraham said to Isaac. He will provide. 
Time out. Parents, it's good for you to show hardship to your kids. It's good for you to show them the things that is difficult and the things that you're believing God for so they can see God's hand in difficult times in, in stories. Does that make sense? I'm going to lean in a little further here. Um, one of the things that I take out of this when he said that God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, I want you to know that God is not a taker. God is a giver. So when he's asking us to make sacrifices in our lives from things that mean something from us, it's not because he's trying to take something from you. It is only because he is trying to give something to us. And so he wasn't trying to take Isaac ever. He was only trying to give him. When he sent him to, to, to go to, to um, in, in uh, G- Genesis chapter 12, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering, to go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land that I will show you, he's not trying to take him from somewhere. He's trying to give him something else. And what I want you to know is what the Lord wants to give you is far better than what you can do for yourself. We have to learn how to trust who he is with what we have. And so I'm going to take you back to Genesis chapter 12 in light of the story when Isaac is asking, Dad, I don't see any sheep. Like, I don't know where the sacrifice is coming from. He's going to tap into his memory bank and remember all the encounters he's had with God as he's reminding his son, I know that God's going to provide. Even though he knows what the father asked. He knows that the father said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Yet in his database, he has to go back to, well, what, how is this even going to work? Like, what's the mathematical equation? How do we come back down off this mountain? And in Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three, he knows he heard God's voice when the Lord said to Abraham, and he said, go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless you and I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, will I'll curse them. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. He knows that God's not a taker. He knows that God is only a giver. He knows that God is always wanting to bless his people. And I want you to understand who the Lord is. He is a provider. He is someone that wants to give good gifts to those who loves him. And Jesus was trying to teach us who the father is. He said, if you ask for for a loaf of bread, the father's not gonna give you a rock. If you ask for, he's not gonna give you a snake. Like the father loves to give good gifts to those who love him. It's who he is. It's what he does at his core. And as we're seeking the Lord in our lives, you need to know he is a provider. So he wants to be a blessing. He wants to be a blessing. He wants to be a blessing. I'm going back into Genesis chapter 22 in verse five, and it says this. He said, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come back. We will come right back. Of all of the passage, this is the verse that stands out to me the most. Before him and Isaac walk up the hill, he looks at his servants and say, like, you guys stay here. We're going to go there and worship. And then we are going to come back here. That is awesome for him to have so much confidence in who God is and in the promise of God and in the things that you said you were going to do in my life. 
Like you said that you were going to make me a great nation. And you said that you would multiply my descendants. And at this point in his life, he's over a hundred years old. I mean, come on. It's, it's too late, Lord, for you to do anything miraculous in my life. But the reality is, he is the God who answers by fire. He is the God that parts the sea. He is the God that comes through and comes through and comes through. He is the God that multiplies food and can feed thousands on a hill with five loaves of bread and two fish. He is the God that does the impossible. It's who he is, and he loves to bless his children. I don't know how you're going to do it. It doesn't make sense. Mathematically, you said we were going to go up two minus one, come back two. I don't know. We know the promise and the power of, of God. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And this is why God was so strong in, in Abraham's life in the promise. So we, Matt preached on that last week, that God is our righteousness. Abraham believed God. And because of that, he was righteous. Well, if we're going to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then let's believe in the power of God and the love that God has for us and the, God's ability to provide for us in every circumstance, in every way. He believed God. And he believed that God would follow through on what he said he would do back in chapter 12, back when he was 75 years old, back when he was 99 years old, and here he is, 190 years old. I don't know how he actually old is in this story, but he's old. And he just knew that God would come through, that God would come through, that God would come through. And I want you to know it's not what he does, it's who he is. And as we love him, I want you to understand that as we grow in love with him, He's never going to take from you. He is only going to multiply to you. But you have to know who he is when you walk with him. Because ultimately, that's all God's about, is you and him. And in order to grow more in love with the Lord, you're going to have to trust him with the things that matter most to you. That's one of my bigger questions this morning, is what is it that you love that you have a hard time trusting God with? Because if you don't trust God with things that matter to you, you're going to have a hard time falling in love with him. You're going to have a hard time being intimate with him because you're still holding on to the thing he's asking you to sacrifice so that he can show you his resurrection power. Now, as I began to study this, I had no idea that as Abraham I think this is all about God's resurrection power. And I think it's all about God's resurrection power in every arena of our life with the things that matter most to us that he's asking us to give up. Watch. I didn't see this until two weeks ago when I began studying the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. They would actually lean into this passage. I'm going to take you there really quick. Hebrews chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. This is the part that is so rad. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died... God was still able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. 
because he had already committed that, God, if this is what you want, you can have it because you, your word is so strong that you're only going to give it back to me because you promised. And that's why I think in our life we have to know the promises of God and know the calling so that you can actually walk with him. Otherwise, we have an empty, hollow religion. We're not about religion. We're about walking with the king. And in order to walk with him, in order to have any kind of real intimacy with him, you're going to have to lean into moments where you radically trust him. And Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And he believed God so much that if he did kill Isaac, God would raise him up. I want you to know there are things that God is going to call you to sacrifice in your life. And God can do anything with it. In fact, he will multiply it. I, I have, um, okay, I have to keep going. I'm going to take you to Genesis 22, verses 9. This is still in that same story. And I'm going to tell you what went down then on the altar if you're not familiar with it. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. This is all a type of father and the son Jesus on on Calvary. And he picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on that boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh, uh, Yahweh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm tongue-tied, I'm sorry, Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, the people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so they would continue to refer back to that place again and again, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. But it's not about what he does. It's about who he is. I don't want you to be confident that he will do it for you. I want you to be confident in the character and his love for you that you understand that it's in his DNA. Like, not like Robin Williams is funny sometimes. No, no, no. The Lord always, it's what he does, is provide for us. When he said that I will make you great, and he said that I will make many descendants of you, and I will, he's taking an old man that can't have babies and saying, I will make you have babies and many, and, and you will be great. And the people around you will know that you're great. And if they're mean to you, I'm going to be mean to them. And I, will be, I, and I will make it so that you can be a blessing to everyone around. Like I will do these things through you. I think about this in this scenario of how hard it is for us to love God um, when we don't see the miraculous in our life. It's oftentimes because we're holding on to the thing that we're afraid that can die. Like we don't want to see the miracle because we don't trust God in the miraculous. Like I, if, 
almost like when, remember when, when Jesus had a conversation with Peter and he said, in three days from now, I'm gonna die and, and the father will raise me up. And Peter rebuked him and said, no, father, it can't be so. I think unintentionally in our lives, we do that same thing where we tell God, no, 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 you can't do that. As if we really understand the power of the Lord. The reality is, is that it's only in the miraculous that we really understand the power of the Lord and what he is capable of doing in and through our lives. And so as we think about on the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. That word, uh, when we think of provision, we tie it mostly to finances. And so we'll double down on that for a second and recognize that he will provide. Let me rephrase it. He already has provided. If he doesn't do another thing for our lives, dear God, he's done a lot. We've gotten far more than we ever deserved. You, we, are, we were all born into the richest nation in the world. We make more in an hour than some people will make in a year. He has already blessed us. I'm thinking about that. And when Jesus kind of leaned into this story, as he's, Jesus, as he would talk to us about the kingdom, he was trying to explain to us who the father really is to break bad theology in our lives. I want you to know that God does test his people again and again and again. We see it in scripture. James chapter one, verse three, first Peter one, verse seven. He would say that these trials are gonna come upon you and they're gonna try to see the real character inside of you. And God is gonna put you into situations to see how you're gonna react. And if you wanna go further with the Lord and you wanna fall more in love with him, what we have to do is make ourselves more vulnerable and trust that he is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. And so, I'm gonna take you to a story really quick. In Matthew chapter six, verse 24, he would try to explain to us something that would try to get bad theology out of our lives. And the problem is life teaches us bad theology. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or, anyone, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Did you catch that? That hurt my feelings when I heard it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Why do I get, wait, no, that's how like unbelievers think. What? I think that way too, Lord, sometimes. But it ain't supposed to be that way with us because we know he is not just our redeemer. He's not just our shepherd. He's not just our righteousness. He's not just our creator. He is our provider. It's who he is. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. I am. Um, 
I'll take you to uh, one more. So I don't know if you're visiting here as a church. We don't often talk about finances a whole lot or, or take offerings. This is gonna be one of those moments where I, I talk about money here. Um, and so I have to specifically say it because I, I, I make myself nervous. So I just commit and I cross the line and I'm all in now. Uh, it's important that we understand that the Lord is asking all of us to tithe. If you have a home church and this is your home church, this is how we reach the world, feed the, feed the, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, send missionaries out across the world, pay our light bill so we can have air conditioning and sound and a worship team and have a place that we call home so that others can come and find the Lord and have moments where they then realize that God wants to redeem and save their marriage. Tithing is more than biblical. And it's actually only the 10% of what he's actually asking of you. He, God is not asking for 10% of your finances. That would be an unbiblical pastor teaching to you. He's asking for 100% of you. He wasn't asking for 10% of Isaac, <laughs> okay? I just want you to give me, just take it from his elbow down and we're good. No, no, he would say, I want you to take your son and kill him. And it's from that moment on, he'll resurrect him. God is a provider, but you can't see God's provision when you, we convince ourselves that we're the provider. It's from that position, like it's either everything I have came from you or I earned this and I have to earn more and I can't trust you with this. And so you don't see God's resurrection power in the arena of your life when you're the provider and you're the one earning God's provision for you. There's a passage in Deuteronomy where the Lord begins to rebuke his people and he said, do you think that you were the one that earned that money? And that's like, it's really gnarly. If we had more time, I'd get into it. Malachi chapter 310, he, he would say this. Um, I want you to, he says, you're robbing me. And you're not, he's not, you're not robbing him of finances. You're robbing him of the ability to show you who he is because it's not what he does, it's who he is. He wants to reveal himself to you. And so I, I know churchgoers that like we're attending, please understand, this isn't like a moment where we're gonna actually pass a plate. Our church is doing really well right now. We're in a good season and we don't need anyone to do anything other than you obey the Lord when he tells you to. On the mountain that he calls you to is that's where you begin to honor the Lord. But I believe that he's calling all of us to sacrifice in our lives. Malachi chapter three, verse 10, he would say this, bring all of your tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in the temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me and put me to the test. So in a lot of scenarios in scripture, the Lord is trying us. But kind of, I think that's you. You can try me in this arena. That's kind of, I think that's um, a dangerous scenario, so I, I'm not gonna talk about that a whole lot, but it, it makes me giggle a little bit to, for me to put God to a test. But I have done that in my life, and he has shown me tried and true. I've loved to see so many times in, in, in church, and we've had situations where people were about to come to next steps in our church, like on a Sunday night. And they tithed for the first time as a couple um, on Sunday morning. And before they can make it back to church that night, God had already done a miraculous thing in their life in the arena of finances. But he doesn't always. 
Sometimes he may take your offering and not give you one back. But I will say that he will always bless you and he will always multiply joy to you. And he will always, in the arenas of your life, whether it's finances or with your marriage or with, the, with your career, the things that we are afraid to actually surrender to God is generally the area that you have the biggest opportunity to see God move in the most. When you make yourself vulnerable and say, God, here I am, you can do what you want in my life, that's when you're really now walking with the Lord because you're now not the Lord, he is. And I think sometimes we make Jesus our savior or we make Jesus um, like, like the God of, at church or God on Sundays. But when Jesus is the Lord of our life, we see situations like what happened to Abraham. You know, the guy who, when he was 75 years old, God began to get, speak promises over his life. And when he was 99, God changed his identity and fulfilled and gave him a promise. And then when he was, he even still had that promise, it wasn't good enough. God, you could still have everything in my life. I trust you. In your life, you need to know that the Lord is requiring you today to learn to trust him. And that's really one of the most important things that I can explain to you as a pastor is when you step into, God, I want you so much that I'm willing to trust you with my life and the things that matter most to me, now you're setting yourself up for a miracle. And that's the space that the Lord loves to move in the most. He does love you. It's who he is. God is love, and he is fully committed to you. And as, would you all mind bowing your heads really quick and closing your eyes? I'm gonna try to close this service. I'm so proud to get to brag on God. I'm so proud to be able to share stories like this about Abraham and his son Isaac. What I love is that he didn't require Abraham to offer Isaac, but he would the father would offer his only begotten son for us. And he would pay the price once and for all to pay the penalty of all of our sin so that we can walk with him in relationship. And I believe the father is calling all of us into deeper relationship with you. And some of it, he's asking for more of your time right now in this season of your life, more of your attention, more of your focus, more of wake up early or stay up later and spend time with me. For some of you, he's asking for your resources. For some of you, he's asking for parts of your relationships that are maybe guarded from other people. I don't know what it is in your life that God is calling you to lay down, but I believe that God is calling all of us to another level. And to understand and how to walk in that promise, we're gonna have to let go of some things. I don't know what your Isaac is but I believe God is calling us right now by the power of his Holy Spirit into a deeper relationship of trust with him. And I want you to know that he is your righteousness and he is your creator. He is your shepherd and he is the lover of your soul and he is your provider and you can trust him in every arena of your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here and God is calling you to lay down your life today Maybe there is sin in your life. Maybe there is selfishness. Maybe there is chaos. Maybe you love the Lord and you just can sense God calling you more to a deeper level of surrender and trust. I think that's beautiful. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and God is calling you deeper, would you raise your hand? God bless you, 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 God bless you. And Lord, we just want to know you. We just want to know you, Lord. We want to know the power in your hand, the power in your voice, your ability to heal and touch and resurrect. There's nothing that you can't do. And we want to have more confidence in your spoken word than in our own abilities. Lord, we look to you. 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 I thank you for your miraculous power in our lives, God. You are the God who provides. And we wanna thank you just as a church right now, God, that you've already provided. We wanna thank you, God, that you've paid our bills this week. We wanna thank you, God, that you've fed our bellies this week. We wanna thank you, oh God, that you've put people in our life that love us. You've provided friends and family all around us, God. We wanna thank you that you provided a, 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 a perfect, beautiful church for us. God, I thank you that you have provided for us, God, uh, uh, that new church building down the street. God, that's your hand. I thank you, God, that you've provided all the resources to get there. I thank you, God, that you are doing something beautiful in our lives, and we want you to know that we trust you with it. We love you, Lord. Would you have your way in our lives? And all God's people said, amen. <clears throat> awesome. Well, hey, man, before we go, I want you to know that um, as we close every service, we want you to know that we're going to have prayer partners down front that want to pray with you. If there's anything going on in your life and you need prayer, uh, something in your body, something in your soul, something in your marriage, or a, a, a family member that is going through a hard time, if you want prayer for anything, we'll be down front. Tonight, we have our Next Steps class. Um, we have two classes for Next Steps, and the first one is, is um, the, the second Sunday of every month. And so if you've not, um, you like our church, you wanna be more involved, we want you to come and find out about who we are and what we do. You can sign up on the app right now um, or come see me after service. Um, and with all that being said, uh, that's all I know. If you're a first-timer, uh, we have some, a gift for you in the back after service. I love you guys, and uh, good to see your face. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.